I've been sharing with you about the the voice of God. Hemos estado hablando sobre la voz de Dios. And last week uh, we began here and we uh, went a few chapters back in Deuteronomy to see how God spoke from Mount Sinai and how God speaks today from Mount Zion or uh, through the ministry of the Lord Jesus Christ. I want to continue along that vein tonight as we do a deeper study of the voice of God because it is the cherished treasure of every believer to hear God's voice. Es el tesoro más deseado de cada creyente poder ser guiado por la voz de Dios. It's not some mysterious, mystical uh, thing that only certain people can have who've reached certain stages of elevation. Jesus said, my sheep hear my voice. And if you are a member of the body of Christ, you've made Jesus your Lord, then you have access to the voice of God. Jesús dijo, mis ovejas oyen mi voz. Y si usted es parte del cuerpo del Señor Jesucristo, entonces usted tiene acceso a la voz de Dios. And we've been beginning here because this is a, a concept that is very needful uh, for the believer, especially in days like the ones we're living. He said, he humbled you and let you be hungry and fed you with manna which you did not know. Nor did your fathers know that he might make you understand that man does not live by bread alone, but man lives by everything that proceeds out of the mouth of the Lord. Let's pray. Father God, I thank you for your word tonight. I thank you that you have anointed me to teach and preach your word, and I pray that you would anoint this, this congregation, that they might hear and receive the word of God as well. And I pray those listening online would also receive the word and that all of us together would allow this word to grow into our life and be rooted, that it might bear its precious fruit. We pray this in Jesus' name and everybody said amen. This phrase, man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God, is, uh, is vital that you and I understand it because... It is the key uh, to our living the spiritual life of the believer. Este, esta frase, el hombre no vivirá de pan solamente, sino de toda palabra que procede de la boca de Dios. Es importante que cada creyente uh, la tenga y la entienda porque es la llave a poder vivir la vida espiritual. Jesus here uses the word life. Jesús aquí usa, perdona, el Señor aquí usa la, la palabra vida. Jesus used the same word in the book of Matthew. El Señor aquí usa la palabra vida y en, en Mateo nuestro Señor Jesucristo también. And the word life here means to sustain life or to go on living. And so basically what God is saying to us is that man does not go on living uh, simply by eating bread, but he goes on living spiritually, by eating the, the word of God. Uh, el hombre no vive, no se sostiene, no sigue en la vida espiritual, sino a través de la palabra de Dios. And we saw last year that the word of God entails the voice of God. Vimos la semana pasada que la voz de Dios también uh, contiene la palabra de Dios. And so, uh, if you read in a couple other portions of the book of Deuteronomy, you see this concept in Deuteronomy chapter 9, verse 9. In Deuteronomio 9, 9, vemos este concepto. The Bible says there that Moses is speaking. He says, when I went up to the mountain to receive the tablets of stone. Now, what, what tablets are those? Somebody know? Ten Commandments. When I went up to the mountain to receive the Ten Commandments, the tablets of the covenant of the Lord made with you, I stayed on the mountain 40 days and 40 nights. And what does he say? I ate no bread and drank no water. So Moses is bearing witness to the fact that when he went up to receive the word of the Lord and he was given the Ten Commandments and in totality 613 commandments that God gave the nation of Israel, for those 40 days he did not eat and he did not drink water. What do you think it was that was sustaining Moses? 
It was the word of the Lord. It was the word of God. Say amen, somebody. This is the reality for our life as well. Aquí vemos a Moisés subir a la montaña, recibir los diez mandamientos, recibir el pacto, y no come ni bebe agua por 40 días. Sin embargo, algo lo estaba sosteniendo, y ese algo era la palabra de Dios. And so, I want us to be very aware of this fact that it's the Word of God that sustains our life. And maybe even without our recognizing or knowing it uh, in a conscious way. A veces ni, ni conscientes somos del hecho de que la Palabra de Dios nos está uh, sosteniendo. Uh, there's a lady that wrote a letter to her pastor and uh, she was being a little bit spiteful. She said, uh, Reverend, I have been in your church for 30 years and I've heard you preach uh, three times a week for those 30 years and she said and I can't think of a single one uh, or I can't remember a single one of your sermons so you can kind of judge by that that she was not trying to encourage her pastor that week uh, she wanted him to know how big of a failure he was and so he wrote her back and he said uh, sister I've been married for 30 years and my wife has fed me three meals a day for 30 years and he says and to think of it I can't remember the menu of most of those meals either he said but without them I would have died what was he letting her know that even if you can't remember the content of any one sermon uh, or one bible study or one bible verse that you have studied over your lifetime that it is what is sustaining our life. And we want to continue in the word. Es la palabra la cual nos sostiene. Because the, the inner man, the spiritual man, uh, doesn't benefit at all when you eat tacos and enchiladas and uh, fried chicken and any of those things. The inner man benefits from the word of God. El hombre interior no tiene ningún beneficio de la comida que usted come, los tacos, uh, las enchiladas, el menudo. Uh, ninguna de esas cosas tiene algún efecto sobre el hombre espiritual. Pero la palabra de Dios sí. Y es la palabra de Dios la cual sostiene la vida cristiana. It's the word of God that sustains the Christian life. Again, in Deuteronomy chapter 32 verse 47. Uh, Moses tells the people of Israel, aquí en Deuteronomio 32, verso 47. Moisés le dice al pueblo, he says, For they are not idle words to you, because they are your life. And by them you will live long in the land that you are crossing the Jordan to possess. He's talking about the word of God, and he says to them, These are not idle words. Ahí Moisés está hablando de la palabra de Dios. Y dice, estas no son palabras cualquiera. These aren't the kinds of words that you can afford to forget. Or that are just the, the idle chatter. Uh, this, is the, this is your life. Estas son tu vida. And, uh, and this is the reality that he is communicating to us tonight as well. That the word of God, when you hear it preached, when you hear it taught, when you uh, read it, when you memorize it, when you meditate it, when you quote it, it is not an idle passing uh, word, but it is our life. And now, he tells us why this is so important. He says, by them. By what? By the word. By them, he says, you will live long in the land. And that meant that as long as the people sustain themselves by the word of God, then they would live according to the word of God and they would be able to stay in the land. We know that they were in the land for several hundred years, but eventually there came a separation between the people and the word. And the, the fact is that the word became so distant from the nation of Israel that uh, the, the uh, people had to, the, the priests actually had to go and find the Bible. And sometimes they would run into portions of scripture as they were cleaning out old closets and old rooms in the, in the uh, uh, temple and they would run into the word of God. Now just imagine how far had this people gotten from the word when they're just randomly running into the word of God in a dusty storage room and closet. 
Now, that's not happening at your house, right? That's not happening at your houses. The Word of God must never be something that we just happen to run into uh, when we're looking for something else. And many people may live that way. But you and I, we have this conscious awareness of this fact. God's Word is my life. And He says, it will, uh, by them, you will live long in the land that you are crossing into to possess it. Now, this is the same thing we read a few weeks ago uh, when the Apostle Peter says to us, he says that by them, by the precious promises of God, that we are becoming partakers of the nature of God. It's through the word that we possess the land of, of God's promise in our life. It's through the word that we possess the blessing of God in our life. And it's through the word that we remain in the blessing of God in our life. America became a blessed and prosperous nation because its founding was on the word of God. But listen, guys, we're getting further and further and further away from God's word. And you can see the decline of our nation in direct correlation to our ignorance of the voice of God and of the word of the Lord. Man shall not live by bread alone. But by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Now I want to uh, show you how Jesus, we're talking about the Son of God in human flesh. Jesus existed and was sustained by the voice of God. Vamos a ver esta noche como Jesucristo, nuestro Señor, el Hijo de Dios, fue sostenido por la Palabra de Dios. Now let me just point out that if Jesus needed the voice of God in his life, and he was the son of God, then you and I, we need the voice of God in our life. And and that is what makes us children of God. Because the Bible said that the spirit bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God, crying, Abba, Father. And basically what Paul is saying there is that the believer hears the voice of the spirit telling him, I am a child of God, God is my father. So this is one of the evidences of being a child of God. And Jesus naturally uh, was, being the son of God, was able to hear and enjoy the voice of God. And so we'll look at first in Matthew chapter 13 and verse 17. There we have the account of the baptism of Jesus. In San Mateo capítulo 3, el verso 17, tenemos ahí uh, el El bautismo de nuestro Señor Jesucristo. And I'll get down to verse 17 in just a moment. But look at verse 13. Then Jesus arrived from Galilee at the Jordan coming to John to be baptized by him. But John tried to prevent him saying, I have need to be baptized by you and you do not and you come to me. And Jesus answered and said to him, permit it at this time. For in the way it is fitting for us to be fulfilling all righteousness, then he permitted him. And after being baptized, Jesus came up immediately from the water. Now here you have Jesus coming to be baptized by John. And John the Baptist says to him, wait a minute, you're the son of God, you're the Messiah, you should be baptizing me. But Jesus says, John, I've got to be baptized by you so that we can fulfill all righteousness. What's he talking about? He's wanting to fulfill the word of God, which was spoken prophetically in the Old Testament. And so we need, we know by that that Jesus is being guided by the Logos. He's being guided by the written word of God. But that's not all that we see in the passage. It says, after he was baptized, Jesus came up immediately from the water. And behold, the heavens were open. And he saw the Spirit of God. Who saw? Jesus saw the Spirit of God descending as a dove and lighting on him. So this is not necessarily a public observance. There are people present. John is present. No doubt there is a a great number of people who are also uh, wanting to be baptized or to hear John preach. But it says that he saw. So this is a, a personal experience between Jesus and the other members of the Godhead. And what did he see? He saw the Spirit of God. So there we see the, the Holy Spirit descending upon him as a dove. 
Now, just so we recognize this, this doesn't mean that the Holy Spirit is a dove. It means it says as a dove. And so the, the, the Holy Spirit is not a bird. Say amen, somebody. He's not a dove, but he's like a dove. And this is uh, one of the figures of speech we see in the Bible. And, and it, it landed upon him. So we see there that Jesus receives the, uh, the presence of the Holy Spirit upon his life and in his life. If Jesus needed the Holy Spirit, do you need the Holy Spirit? Absolutely. And then it says, and behold, a voice of heaven said, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. So right from the very beginning of the ministry of Jesus, we see the presence of the logos. That's the written word. And then the word I taught you a couple weeks ago, we see the presence of the rhema, which is the living word, the voice uh, of God speaking into the believer's heart and life. And the rhema comes often through the written word. But it's it's uh, very often the case that you can be reading the Logos, you're reading the Bible, the written word, and then suddenly something that's in the written word jumps out into your spirit. And you realize that was God's answer for me. Ever been there? That's the rhema, which the Bible says in the book of Romans that uh, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the rhema of, of Christ. So faith comes when your spirit gets a hold of God's, what God is saying to you from His Word, and that Word becomes living in your inner man. And so Jesus heard the voice of the Father. And what did the Father say? He said, This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. I just notice how powerful this is because if you ever study, uh, if you study parenting, or you study uh, the, the psychology of children, especially the psychology of boys or the, the, the mentality of boys. One of the essential things every child needs, in particular boys, is to have the affirming word or voice of their father. And so if you are a father, I want to encourage you, no matter how what age your son is, uh, that you be a, an affirming voice in their life. And there are many uh, young people being uh, raised up today without fathers. And so they don't have that affirming voice in their life. And many of the men in our church can do a great deal by just being an affirming voice in the life of young people, uh, young men and young ladies as well, in this congregation. This, this nation, uh, is, this generation is desperately desiring the affirmative voice of a father in their life. And here you see that Jesus is no different. And he receives the affirmation of his father. And listen to what he says. There are three things the father said about Jesus. Now, tres cosas que vemos aquí que el padre afirma en la vida de Jesús. First of all, he says, this is my beloved son. In other words, this is the son I love. Every child needs to hear their father say, I love you. And that word of affirmation is coming from God the Father to Jesus Christ. Jesus is 30 years old. But he still is hearing the Father's word. This is my beloved son. And, and this is uh, so significant that later Jesus will say, I know that my Father loves me. But you don't generally hear 30-year-old guys going around saying, my father loves me. My dad really loves me. But everyone here ought to walk away tonight at least knowing this, that God loves you and you ought to be able to hear and sense in your spirit that affirming voice from God every day saying to you, I love you. And you and I can walk around knowing my father loves me. Let's try it tonight. Say it out loud. My Father loves me. God the Father loved Jesus Christ the Son and He loves you. And it's so powerful to know that because when the accuser comes, when the critic comes, when the 
attack comes, Jesus is sustained by the voice he has heard from the Father saying, this is my beloved Son. That's, that's the first thing that, that God the Father does and which every son also needs. And then we see that he says, this is my beloved Son in whom I am pleased. And so the, we see there that the Father takes pride in the Son. Ahí vemos que el Padre ahora dice, ¿en quién tengo complacencia? Ahí vemos el orgullo del Padre sobre el Hijo. And when you, when you understand how important it is for a young a, a person, a young man, a young lady, to hear those words, I am proud of you. And you see it here in the ministry of Jesus that God is saying to his son, I am proud of you. I'm pleased with you. And tonight, God is saying to you, I'm proud of you. I'm pleased with you. And sometimes I have to do a little groundwork with that because people think, no, I don't think God's pleased with me right now, Pastor. Uh, you don't know how I acted this week. Kind of lost my cool. My faith got testy. Well, when you go home tonight, just read Isaiah 53. And after verse 10, you start reading there, you're going to see this. The Bible says that, that God submitted Christ to the anguish of his soul. So on the cross, God crushed the Lord Jesus Christ with the, the condemnation of man's sin. But it says that, that from the anguish of his soul... He saw his offspring. That means that Christ saw his offspring. He saw the people who would be saved as a result of his death. Are you one of those people? Yeah, so Jesus saw you from the cross. Somebody wrote a song uh, several years ago. When he was on the cross, I was on his mind. It's not just a, a, a poet saying that. It's God saying that. And what did he think when he saw you? While he was suffering, while he was dying, while he was carrying the penalty of sin, he saw the, from the anguish of his soul, he saw his offspring, and the verse following says, he saw it and was satisfied. Everybody shout, satisfied. God uh, allowed Jesus to see you from the cross. And when Jesus saw you, he was satisfied that the cross was worth it. And that saving you was worth it. Come on, somebody. So tonight, you can know that God is saying, I am satisfied with you. I'm pleased with you. Because if he's pleased with Christ... And the blood of Jesus has covered your life. Then you have the pleasure of Almighty God. I am proud of you. And this is again so important for fathers to speak over their sons. And for mothers to speak over their children as well. Everyone wants to know that somebody takes pleasure in what they've done. And Jesus being no different. He says, uh, he hears here the voice of the Father. And then the third thing we notice here is that uh, the, the statement as a whole. This is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. And now we see the voice of the Father. Not only telling his son he loves him and I'm proud of you. But we now see that the voice of the Father is, is identifying him. And giving him his identity. As a son, as a beloved son, as a son in whom the father takes pleasure. And this is a, such a significant moment in the ministry of Jesus, but it's not unique just to Christ. God has also identified you as his own. He's identified you as belonging to him. You bear the name. 
that he has given you. You bear the identity of a son. Ahora vemos en totalidad la expresión ahí de nuestro Señor cuando él habla de Jesús y dice, este es mi hijo en cual yo tengo complacencia. Ahora lo vemos afirmando la identidad de nuestro Señor Jesucristo. And so God is saying, I love you. He's saying, I'm proud of you. And he is saying, I believe in you. I, I sent you to the earth to do this particular work. And I believe in you. And tonight, God is speaking to you and to me. And he's saying, I believe in you. I believe in, in, in the gifts I put into you. I believe in the calling that I put into you. And I believe that you can do great works for me and for my glory. Say amen, somebody. This is so, so significant because uh, we understand that Jesus is living by the voice of God. He's sustained by the voice of God. Let's go to the next uh, occasion. In Matthew, we'll stay in Matthew for a moment. Matthew chapter 17, verse 5. San Mateo capítulo 17, el verso 5. Ahora, la segunda vez que vemos la voz de Dios en la vida de Jesús. This is the second time we see the voice of God in the life of Jesus. Matthew 5, verse, pardon me. Matthew 17, verse 5. Matthew chapter 17, verse 5. While he was still speaking, a bright cloud overshadowed them. And behold, a voice out of the cloud said, This is my beloved son, in whom I am well pleased. Now he adds something here. What did he add? Listen to him. Ahora vemos de nuevo que Dios habla. San Mateo 17, verso 5. Y ahí oímos la voz de Dios de una nube que dice, Este es mi Hijo amado, en quien tengo complacencia oírlo a él. Shout, listen to him. Come on, I said shout, listen to him. God wants you to listen to Jesus. And here, once again, we have the voice of God. Now, the, the implication of the first occasion is that only Jesus heard the voice. But on this occasion, the disciples heard the voice. En la primera ocasión, la implicación es de que Jesús fue el único que escuchó la voz. So the, the, at the baptism, Jesus is the only one who saw the dove and he's the only one that heard the voice. God's not always trying to talk to everybody about you. Sometimes he has to start by talking to you about you. And, and, and many times, especially if you're in ministry, you got to be careful that when God speaks to you, you don't run out and preach it. It might not be for everybody. It might have been God telling you. And, and Jesus is first going to carry that in his own life. That's where, that's where it has to be. That's where it has to start. But now we hear or we see the disciples hearing his voice. And we hear now the disciples receiving the affirmation of the Lord. Aquí vemos ahora que no solamente Jesús escucha la voz, sino que todos uh, los discípulos que estaban presentes ahora escuchan la voz. Now, now let's get an idea of what's going on here. In verse 1 it says, Six days later Jesus took with him Peter and James and John, his brother, and led them up to a high mountain by themselves. So Jesus takes his inner circle, he goes up to a mountain where he's going to have an experience which... Uh, is is mind-blowing. It says, And he was transfigured before them. And his face shone like the sun, and his garments became white as light. Now just imagine this. They have been walking with Jesus. They've been, uh, they've been traveling with him. They've been eating with him. They've been doing all of the normal things you do uh, in, in human uh, co communication and relationship. And then Jesus takes them up to a mountain, and he basically... He, he allows the inner glory or, or he allows the glory that he had prior to the incarnation 
which up until now has been concealed by his human body, his human flesh. Uh, He now outshines his flesh. And they see him the way the angels saw him in the book of Ezekiel when they uh, talked about the ancient of days. And they see the brightness of his glory. Everyone say, wow. Well, the disciples said that. They basically said, wow, they... They fell on their face like as if they were dead. And behold, Moses and Elijah appeared to them talking with him. And Peter said to Jesus, Lord, it is good for us uh, to be here. For if, If you wish, I will make three tabernacles here. One for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. And when he was still speaking, this voice came out of the cloud. So now uh, we have the disciples now experiencing this awe-inspiring, glorious appearance of the Lord. His, his, his face is shining like the sun. And his clothes are so white that no, the Bible says no launderer or no, no uh, soap was ever able to make clothes as white as his clothes were in that moment, as he is transfigured and he reveals his glory uh, to man. Let me just explain, or let me just uh, say tonight that Jesus is the second person of the Godhead and that he is the glorious Son of God. Say amen, somebody. Jesucristo aquí se revela, se transfigura, y su gloria es revelada Su, su carne hasta ese momento había cubierto su gloria, pero él se revela a ellos con una tremenda luz más brillante que el sol y sus vestiduras como uh, la blanca nieve. Y dice la escritura que ellos cayeron sobre su rostro como hombres muertos. ¿Por qué? Porque Jesucristo es el Hijo de Dios, lleno de gloria. This is the Jesus you and I are going to see when he comes. Ese es el Cristo que vamos a ver cuando Él regrese. Say amen, somebody. This, this Jesus who is brighter than the sun. Because He made the sun. And now God speaks to the disciples. And He affirms the ministry and the identity of Jesus. And He gives them an instruction. Listen to Him. Now God is telling us as He did then. The words of Jesus are my words. And that's what Jesus said. He said, I don't say anything unless I have heard my father say it. And I trust, and I have trusted my whole life and my eternal life on the words of Jesus. And I encourage you to do the same And I assure you that any other word upon which you build your life is a foundation that cannot be trusted. Only the words of Christ have the power to save. And he said that if you will believe on him, you will never die. Come on, somebody. Jesus has been given the affirmation, the seal of approval by God the Father. And God's voice comes forward and he says, listen to him. Viene la voz del Padre y hasta el día de hoy viene con esa misma autoridad diciendo, escúchenlo a él. La palabra de Cristo es la palabra que lleva al hombre a la vida eterna. Él dijo, el que creyere en mí nunca morirá. Entonces, si usted edifica su vida sobre otra palabra, cuídese. Cuidado, porque hay solamente una palabra que puede salvar. There's only one word that can save. Peter writes about this later, many years later, decades later. 2 Timothy chapter, uh, sorry, 2 Peter chapter 1 verse 18 En segunda de Pedro, capítulo 1, verso 18, algunas décadas después. This, I mean, if you ever, if you saw Jesus transfigured, do you think you'd forget it? No. And so here's maybe 30 years later, 
Peter's talking about it still. And he says, this voice which came from heaven we heard. And when we were with him in the holy mount. So Peter reminds us that he heard the voice of God. And that the voice of God was speaking about Christ. Now let me just let me just point this out tonight because uh, many churches, uh, quote unquote, I'll use the word quote unquote churches or cults, have been formed on the basis that their leader or their founder heard the voice of God, and they say God appeared to me and and He told me X Y and Z and that you need to follow me. And I just want you to just think about this. That when God spoke in the New Testament, he had only one instruction. Listen to Jesus. And he has not given that instruction about Joseph Smith or about Mary, uh, Mary Baker Eder or any other or any other person. He's given that instruction concerning the Lord Jesus Christ. Is the church here tonight? There is no other message that God has given to man through which it can be saved except the message of the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. And Peter, here he is affirming that. He says, this voice which came from heaven, we heard when we were with him in the Holy Mount. Right, the last time God spoke is in John chapter 12. Verse 30. La tercera vez que Dios habló. Juan 12.30. John chapter 12 and verse 30. Juan capítulo 12 verso 30. Aquí vemos una vez más que Dios habla. God speaks once more. Now let's read the context here. In verse 27. Jesus is uh, preparing to go to the cross. He's going to go to the cross in just a few hours. And he says, Now my soul has become troubled, and what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour. But for this purpose, I came to this hour. Father, glorify your name. Now Jesus is praying. He's talking to God. And he's dealing with the reality of the cross. And he's saying to the Father, Father, glorify your name. Then a voice came out of heaven. And I have both glorified it. This is God's voice. I have both glorified it and will glorify it again. He's responding to the prayer of Jesus. He's saying, I have glorified my name and I will glorify it again. And and, and the, the prediction there is that God has glorified his name through the ministry of Jesus. And he's going to glorify himself again when he raises Jesus from the dead. So the crowd of the people, listen now, who stood by and heard it. Who heard it now? The crowd. Now everybody's hearing the voice. The first time it just came to Jesus. The second time it came to the inner circle. To the church. The last time it comes to the crowd. Now let me, let me unpack that pattern for just a moment. Because this is often how God works in reference to the calling that he places on your life. Many times the calling of God is born first in your own heart. In your own inner man. When you hear the call of God for yourself. And no one else has heard it. No one else sees it, but you've heard it and you see it because you heard from God. Listen, you've got to be willing to know, I have to be able to live on only God saying it. If no one else agrees, I'm going to believe God. Come on, is there anything in your life right now that you look around and there's no other confirmation, but you just know what you've heard God say, and that is enough. It's got to be enough. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. 
So if nobody else has heard this, I, I know what God has spoken to my spirit, to my heart. I'm going to believe God. And then the word of God comes to the church. Listen, God speaks to his church. And, and many times you might have an unbeliever. They come to the church and they hear the same sermon you heard, but they weren't moved at all. Because they're not part of the church. God speaks to his people. God speaks to the church. And, and that's why you don't want to miss out on what God is saying. Because he has a, he has a particular message for his church and for this church at a particular time. Is the church here tonight? But there's a time when God speaks to everybody. When God's doing something, it often begins quiet and slow. But when God reveals it, no one will be able to deny it. No one will be able to, to put a, a, a blanket over it and cover it up. The whole crowd heard the voice. And so the crowd of people who stood by and heard it were saying that this was, that it had thundered. Others were saying, an angel has spoken to him. And Jesus answered and said, this voice has not come for my sake. This, this voice didn't come so I would believe. I already believed. Come on, if you already believed, say amen. Have you just made up your mind, I'm going to believe God? This voice didn't come for my sake. It came for your sake. Jesús dice, esta voz no vino para mí. Yo ya creí. Yo ya estoy completamente convencido que Dios va a hacer lo que Él dice que va a hacer. And that's my prayer for you. That you will know, that you know, that you know that God's word is the unshakable foundation of your life. And you can say like Jesus, this didn't come for my sake because I'm already in. I've already bought, uh, bought uh, the, the whole thing. I've already believed all that God has said. I've told you this story before. How on a Sunday morning, just, you know, way back when I arrived uh, here, there was, uh, I would sit on the platform. That was the tradition. And it's Easter Sunday. And while we're in worship, I hear the voice of the enemy. And what does he say? What if the resurrection never happened? Don't kid yourselves, church. If the devil will show up at church on Easter Sunday and talk to the preacher, you can guarantee he is making wreck of many people's faith every single day. He's playing for keeps. He wants to destroy your faith. And I just responded with a chuckle. I said, devil, you showed up too late to tell me that. I already know Jesus. I spoke to him this morning. He's not dead. He's alive and he's well. Come on, somebody. You, this is not for my sake. This is for your sake because I already believe. I'm already convinced. I am persuaded that God is able to keep that which I have committed unto him against that day. And he says, now judgment is upon this world. And now the ruler of this world will be cast out. And he said, and I, if I am lifted up, I will draw all men to myself. Now, let me just point something out here. Someone else heard the voice. Who else heard the voice? Who? I can't make out what you're saying. The ruler of this world. The devil heard the voice of God. Jesus says, now judgment has come upon the world. And the ruler of this world will be cast out. Now, when Jesus says that, that Satan is the ruler of this world, and 
Uh, later in the, in the New Testament, it says something similar. It doesn't mean that Satan is the owner of the world. But that he is the ruler of this world system. He's the, he's the ruler of the system that currently controls the world. And that's why you are told that you are not of this world. It doesn't mean you're not from earth. It doesn't mean you're Martian or some kind of alien. It means you are not part of the system of this world. Come on somebody. If you're not a part of the system of this world, then the devil has no rule over you. But I want you to understand that when God spoke, the ruler of this world heard him and the voice of God knocked him off his throne. Why? Because in just a few hours, the Son of God would come and He would pay the price to ransom humanity from the power of sin and humanity would be free from the power of darkness and transfer all who would believe to the power of God and to the kingdom of light. Is the church here tonight. You and I have... Listen, we have such a powerful... Weapon in our life. The voice of God shakes the power of hell. It shakes the kingdom of darkness. That's why Jesus, when he was tempted by the devil, did not quote anything but the word. Because it's the word that has the power to knock him off of the rule and authority that he thinks he has in your life. And it's the word of God that's still making hell shake tonight. And this word was spoken to Jesus. But the people heard it. And the devil heard it. And the people were moved. And the the ruler of this world was moved because of the word of God. How powerful then is the word of God in your life? This is why we live by the word, because this is, this is the reality. The ruler of this world takes, takes his place in the lives of people who give him a place. And he does that through something that the apostle Paul calls a stronghold. This is a mindset. And these mindsets are lies that Christians believe. Sometimes there are lies that Christians believe about God. God's not good. God is not love. God doesn't care. God isn't always present. God doesn't want to help me. Those are lies. And they, they become mindsets that take root in the hearts of believers. And when the believer believes the lie, then that lie invalidates or uh, it becomes a stronghold in their life so that the word uh, is not able, uh, is not getting into that life. Because the word is is being overcome, as I told you last week, by the traditions of men. And Jesus, uh, well, the, the Bible tells us that, uh, and that Jesus quoted saying that the word of God was made of no effect by your traditions, by your mindset. And so Satan, the ruler of this world, he wants nothing more than to make you think that his version of the truth is real, a reality. And by doing so, can lock you out of your inheritance as a child of God. And there he is, sitting on the throne of that area of your life. And And he's happy about it. And he's boasting about it. And then you came to church. And while the word was being preached, the voice of God in your life shook him off of that throne. And that stronghold begins to be broken by the word. Because listen, the Bible says in the book of Jeremiah that is... It's the word of God that's like a hammer that shatters the rock. 
That's why you need to be in church. And that's why you need to be in the Word. Because it's the Word that is able to shake hell itself out of your life. And to bring you into the inheritance that God has for you as a child of God. Say amen somebody. God the Father spoke to Jesus. But the whole world heard it. And the ruler of the world heard it. And what I want to say as I just unpack the pattern there in closing is this. That the day is coming when the whole world's going to hear. But if I were you, I wouldn't wait till that day. I would become a part of the church. And I don't mean become a member of a church. I mean, get your life right with God and walk with God so that you can hear what God is saying today. Because when he speaks on that day, it will be judgment. The Bible says that a day is coming when all who are in the tombs will hear his voice. They will come, some to everlasting contempt, to judgment, and others to eternal life. You want to be today a part of that people that select people that is able to hear the voice of God who are they they are the flock of God Jesus said my sheep hear my voice and the goats didn't hear anything they're all in the same field the same pasture but they're not hearing anything because they haven't been born again because their spiritual life has not been, uh, the, in, the engine has not been empowered by the Spirit of God. They're in their sin. They're in their darkness. And tonight, if that's you, I, I want to just encourage you to give your life to Christ. Invite Jesus to become the Lord of your life. Because when you become born again, when you uh, receive the new life that God has for you in Christ, you become a participant of the glorious fellowship that exists between God and His church. And you can hear His voice and distinguish the voice of the enemy in your life. And you can know that didn't come from God. I know what God sounds like. I know what His word sounds like. I know what God has said. And I'm going to believe Him. Let's stand together tonight. Praise God. Right where you are, just lift your hands to heaven. And just invite the voice of the Spirit in your life, in your circumstances right now. God wants you to hear Him saying that He loves you. That He's taking pleasure in you. That He believes in you. God wants you to hear him saying, you're not going to die in this wilderness. You're not going to die in this desert. My word will sustain you. My voice will sustain you. Listen to me. Listen to me. And you'll live. Listen to me and you'll possess the promise. Listen to me and you'll stay a long time. In the land which I have for you. Come on let the church. Have a hunger. And a thirst. For the voice of God. Not the voice of a man. But the voice of the living God. For it is that voice. Which is able. To give you life.